0: My name is Jacob Stoops,
1: and I'm Jeff Luella,
0: and you're listening to the page two podcast.
1: This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry.
0: We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In today's episode, we talk with Martha Van Burkel, CEO and co-founder of Schema App, a service that empowers the digital marketer to own their schema markup strategy through implementation without ever writing code or engaging with IT. We talk about her background in mathematics and engineering. She also attended the MIT Sloan School of Management. We also discuss how she spent almost 14 years at Cisco, what it's like to be an innovator at an otherwise slow-moving, highly bureaucratic company the circumstances that led to her going out on her own and eventually forming her own company with her husband. In the news, we talk about Google's recent broad core algorithm update and share our thoughts on how the industry reacts to algo updates as well as our own approaches. And finally, we deep dive into structured data, how brands can use it as well as what challenges SEOs face with schema and getting it implemented. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Martha's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. everybody this is Jacob Stoops and we are back with another episode of the page two podcast and I am here with Mr. Jeff Luella. Jeff how are you doing? I'm doing great how are you? I'm I'm good Uh, and Jeff uh, before the call uh, what are you going to start calling me now? Stoops. Stoops, just Stoops. See, we we get in a
1: little trouble because I call Jacob Jacob, but all his friends call him Jake, so he doesn't think I'm his friend. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm going up even higher than that, and now calling him yes. Stoops, which is the
0: closest of closest. It's the inner circle of my friends. If yes. you've gotten to uh, to just calling me Stoops, you know you're in the the circle of trust. Yeah. So it was be-
1: between that and Jay Money, but Stoops no. seemed a little better. No.
0: That that's one thing that I'm putting on the do not call me. <laughs> also, Jake from State Farm, do not yes. call me that. I will you, we will not be friends. Uh, anyways, uh, we are also joined by Martha Van Berkel. Martha, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Thank you so much for joining us. And in case you don't know, Martha, Martha is the CEO and co-founder of Schema App. And we are very, very excited to, to have her on. Um, but before we kind of dive in, if you're a first-time listener, uh, just want to explain the podcast a little bit. And I'll probably do this every single time uh, because we're kind of a small niche podcast. And I'm sure that uh, we have a lot of first-time listeners. So it's like a stool with three legs. Um, the, the primary focus of our podcast is not a, not a, a sheer knowledge dump. That is um, that is something that we feel like will be um, something that happens, but it's not the core the core focus. The core focus is to get into the backgrounds and the origin stories uh, of SEOs because we all come from, in many cases, really weird and unintentional places. Uh, and there's not necessarily in today's world uh, a really easy way in the academic world to get into SEO. Um, they do teach it somewhat, but not in the way that it needs to be needs to be taught. So often we come from other places, and not only that, I like to talk about and understand the day to day challenges, the what it's like um, to be an SEO. And I've described this podcast as a couple of things: origin, the origin stories of of great SEOs, kind of like we're we're superheroes. And I've also described it uh, as if you were a fly on the wall listening to two SEOs or three SEOs in this case, uh, talk to each other. This would be kind of what you would hear. Um, The second leg of the stool, and this has been added in season two as we talk about the news, uh, and it's mostly uh, Jeff reading the news and me just yelling about things and complaining about (laughs) things, uh, which I, I enjoy. I'm not sure if the audience enjoys it or not. Uh, and the third leg of the stool is uh, we do a deep dive into a predetermined subject, and today uh, we 're going to deep dive into into schema schema markup and structured data and machines, and we 're going to get deep on that because that is martha 's expertise, so we definitely want to make sure we um, we talk about that and I know that we have a lot to say about that for sure, so um, stay tuned for that later on in the episode so Without further ado, Martha, um, where do you come from? Who are you? Tell us your story.
2: Who is this person that's on the call? Well, I'm Canadian is maybe the, fir- the first start. So I'm um, originally a West Coaster. I grew up mostly in Vancouver, um, but I now live just outside Toronto in a city called Guelph. Um, and so, yeah, if I, if I say A or apologize or thank you for things, you know, it's just my, my Canadian side popping out.
0: <laughs> the nicest people on earth. Very polite. A.
2: Ah. <laughs> Except when we're talking about hockey, then we're less polite.
0: Cool. So, Martha, tell us about your background.
2: Sure. So. Um, my journey into SEO, I think, is is a convoluted one in that like I had never any intention of ending up in this industry. Um, and here I am, you know, having a ton of fun. So my background is I studied um mathematics and engineering, so applied math, um, in school. So um I also like looked at mechanical engineering. I had dreams of becoming a doctor, and then I thought, oh, I'll become an engineer that works like in the medical field. And then just decided that I didn't want to do any of it. And when I graduated uh, university, I got a job offer from Cisco Systems. So it was sort of the big tech boom, um, and Cisco actually invited me to move to California. So you know, Canadian thinking of palm trees and sun and no snow. I moved to California, um, and what was really interesting was that I I started in a role doing technical support and you know, I did applied math at school. So like the snob in me was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to like move to do technical support? Like after I did this like epic degree that's technology focused. But when I really rec- uh, you know thought about it, I got to help people and talk to people all day and solve problems all day. And that's actually the things I love to do. And so up and at it, I moved to California, bought myself a purple, like new age looking beetle um, and started sort of working for Cisco. And I actually spent 14 years at Cisco, which like I can't quite still believe um, that I was there that long. But after I started wow. work in technical support, so for voice over IP, so when voice over IP was not really a, a cool thing yet, um, was when I was supporting that. Um, and then what was really neat at Cisco is that I never applied for another job. I always sort of created a new role for myself. So whether it was like taking on a project management role and then Identifying like a vulnerability for Cisco that the government was interested in that then got me promoted to look at Cisco's three to five year strategy for automated support. Um, I was like 24 at the time sort of building like a $5 million initiative sort of for how they were going to have machines like self like heal their networks Um, and I mentioned that because it's kind of not so different from what I do today Um, and then um, I basically helped build that organization so we got the funding for that big initiative um, and then we built an organization of about 230 people with developers and my job was always like kind of helping people buy into that vision understand the change uncomplicate the complicated things that we were doing and then I led the product team. So I did quite a bit of product management at that time. So defining what we should build for who, um, going to talk to customers, helping them adopt those really early prototypes or early kind of versions of it, um, and then and sort of leading this team of product managers and program managers. Um, and I got bored, which often happens because um, the challenges weren't good. And then I moved to some other roles like working in Europe for early adoption, And then at this point, I took on a team that owned all the Cisco's online support tools. Um, And so the online support tools at Cisco are like, the tools you use to, like, look up bugs on Cisco products or, you know, read release notes or look at sort of um, event management of things that are failing. Um, So it was sort of technical tools for troubleshooting and um, kind of grew the product management discipline there. Um, But what was really great was that, like, this was my first – understanding of how customers were interacting with at that time, like Cisco's brands content and trying to find answers. And it was really interesting because like, this is like back in, I don't know, it must've been like 2008, 2009 where, you know, we were like, no one's coming onto Cisco's website to search for the documentation or to like use the on-site search. They're using this thing called Google to find answers. And none of our stuff was optimized. You know, SEO wasn't even like, there was no one in our, like we own the whole Cisco support website, like no one was really doing SEO. Um, But it was my first sort of learning of like, oh, the customer behavior is different. And they're using these other tools. Um, You know, how do we actually like start thinking about search? Um, So that was probably, like, my first introduction to search, um, but we didn't really do anything with it because it, again, wasn't sort of, like, on the roadmap, which is, like, so crazy when you think of it now and how much money was spent sort of, like, trying to make on-site search work better. Um, And so – and then in 2013, I – got pregnant and at that point I was actually like time really really ready for a change Um, so I was either gonna have a baby or quit so I had a baby and in Canada you get a year off when you have a baby Um, so it's um, I took the year to basically be a mom and um, at that time start kind of exploring what my husband was doing which was like he was building products to help um, contractors be found online and so I was like oh I should start like try and help you sell stuff since that's something I've never done and would be fun to try out um, and so lo and behold I started selling kind of audit services and um, kind of very um, kind of a, a product that was supposed to be sort of giving coaching on SEO services um, and little did I know that that would then sort of like change my entire career. Awesome. So it's a bit of background before like we started Schema App, and then um, there's sort of like chapter two of like Martha <laughs> post-Cisco um, to where we ended up now. But I don't know if you have any questions or, or things before then.
0: I, I, go ahead, Jeff.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it, Cisco is like a gigantic company, right? So it's uh, – and, and kind of creating your own roles in, you know, in, in that organization uh, seems – Pretty challenging i did you have any pushback like when you had an idea to to create kind of that new role or, or that that section there to absolutely yeah, like I mean how did you get adoption of what you were trying to do?
2: So I think I'm just really good with people, right? So like it all comes down to like finding champions and the same goes in smaller organizations or like if you're selling to a client, right. Or trying to get stuff done within a client, like part of it's like building relationships so that when they trust that you have the ability and the knowledge and two, I think that they like believe that you like, you can actually do it and that they understand sort of what that impact will be, you know, to the company or to their team or to the customer if you actually get that done. And so I think I'm just, I got really good at, you know, getting people to get excited about that future state. And, and in fact, like that's pretty much what I do now, right? Like all I do now yeah. is get people excited about like how structured data is going to be this like data layer for how you're going to manage your brand's content and how you can actually make sure all machines understand the context of what you do. And, you know, I talk about like the news and how it applies to that and how, you know, how their, like, SERPs will change, like, so I did the same thing with any other initiative or idea I had, and then I also found other people that were super excited about it, and so, like, this one um, project I did, probably, like, what I'm most proud of is I opened up all of Cisco Service's APIs, Um, so instead of us being able to, like, people were basically scraping our content to try to build products that could then recommend like products that need to be replaced. So it was like our release notes and our end of life kind of documentation. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like we should just give them this data because if they have this data, they'll buy more product. And so I found like a couple other product managers and then I found an IT manager who was kind of excited about it. And then like he found two analysts that were excited and two developers. And then I found AT&T who wanted to be my pilot customer. And so we pretty much like with my director's support like did a pilot with AT&T and used AT&T to then influence leadership to like roll us into their product base. So I'm just like, maybe I'm just like a little, little bit uh, conniving with regard, like (laughs) smart about how I sort of influence. Um, And anytime, like you can use the customer to do that and find other people who are willing to make it happen, you know, outside of their daily scope. So a lot of the, like my most fun projects were, you know, pilots. I'm like the queen of the pilot. Like, oh, we'll just pilot that. Like we're not committing to anything. We're just going to pilot it. Um, And so it's not like, I look back now at what I did at Cisco and I'm like, well, of course I became an entrepreneur. Like I was doing entrepreneurship entrepreneurial staff, just not without just with their money instead of my own
1: best way to do it
2: yeah so (laughs) it was it was wild that's great um
1: so you're in cisco uh you're you're creating these you know uh, kind of blazing the path throughout at cisco there um but then you decide to move on or you know you you're pregnant, you have your baby take a year off, which is great. I wish States gave everyone a year off. Yeah. That, uh, I think we get uh, six weeks. Um, no, you know, I was
0: going to, I was going to ask about the, the timeline there at, at yeah. in 2013, were you already back in, can I would assume you were back in Canada. At that. Yeah.
2: Good, good, good question. So in 2004, like right b- before I launched that, like giant company, like that basically company inside the company, like the 230 people, my, um, my partner at the time was, was being relocated back to Canada, to Toronto. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go too. And his like both my boss's boss and his boss's boss signed off on it and so it was one of those days where I like walked into a meeting on a Friday and I was like hey Jim like I'm um I'm moving back to Canada today and he was like what so it's like my vice president and I was like yeah you know like your boss signed off on it he was like oh my goodness like how did that happen and so I spent a lot of time on planes after that so I was basically in California every other week um, for two years until they basically made a travel ban but like Cisco was telepresence Webex you know company. And so like I've been using video and this type of platform for like communicating with people since like 2003, 2004. And so I was like, look, we'll just use the technology. And so I led a global team, you know, from Toronto, while also being closer to my family here. So that was it was really great. My had two grandmothers over 90, and I didn't really know them. Cause I hadn't lived in the same city as them growing up and, you know, really got to know them sort of in their, their last like three to five years. And it was, it was really a special, awesome time for me. Um, at the same time, you know, I was able to kind of show that you can work from anywhere, or lead a team from anywhere um, and get things done so it was yeah it was was a pretty wild time so I was in Toronto from 2004 to 2014 and it was in 2012 that I like started getting grumpy I was just so I was starting to actually be told not to do my pilot projects and to like stop being innovative and that like they didn't want to really know how what was going on with the teams and the customers and to me that was a red flag because I was like oh my goodness like the whole value I add to this organization is being an innovator and helping do stuff for customers and, you know, moving quickly and agilely in this, like, really slow, monolithic company, um, and so that was when I was, like, I, I think I need to leave, I don't think I, I don't think I can be me, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change, like, I'm not gonna just shut up and, and sort of, like, be told what i what I'm gonna get done, or kind of be told that, like, we don't need to know what the customers are saying, because to me, that's, like that's that was core to the Cisco that like I was a part of um and you know since then I've left and lots of people have left they've changed CEOs like they're a totally different company now um but for me it was it was sort of the writing was on the wall but it was real it was like a it was like a bad breakup though because like I loved Cisco like I literally grew up there like I started there when I was like 21 22 and I left in my mid thirties and it was, you know, like they saw me getting married. They saw me, you know, like buying my first house. Like I, like I had imagined that I would be there for life. And, um, and so when I, when I didn't go back, um, so I didn't go back after my mat leave, I actually got laid off. It was brilliant. Um, I, I, I was really sad cause I felt like, you know, I had sort of left my family behind. Um. But the good news is, is that, and this is actually usually what I say about the SEO community, is that, like, I've been just, like, so blessed to have, like, the SEO community embrace me as sort of, like, a newbie and someone who's come from a different background, like, into this, like, new community and new family, and and, and that's, like, the the last, I don't know how many years it's been, six years, holy smokes, it's been six years, the last six years, like, to, to kind of journey through that's been, been really cool. So, well,
0: I... I it sounds absurd to me that they would not want to understand their, their customers, but like their customers better. It just really sounds absurd. And then it also sounds absurd that they would wait until you're um, back from, back from um, your, um, your leave to, to then lay you off. That's just, sounds a little sounds like they did you a little bit dirty unfortunately and-
2: actually they totally did me a favor and i'm just like oh. totally grateful that they laid me off cuz they gave me some money which then funded my company and nice. um at that point like i was sort of done so i don't know like i think it's all just perspective like you know in big companies there's lots of politics right and and people have different um motivations for doing things. And so, like, I had, you know, I had 12, like, amazing years at Cisco where I was just, like, literally able to kind of do what I want and and sort of, like, you know, spend their money to build cool things for people. Um, And so, I, I sort of, like, you know, I, I'm, well, I was sad at the time, you know, actually I was more sad, like in the, those two years where I just felt like I was being squashed, um, at the end I was like, Hey, I kind of got what I wanted, um, cause I didn't really want to go back. And, um, and, and it like opened up this new chapter in my life. And, and for me, like, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of person. So I was like, all right, let's, let's see what we can do here, but so like no, way scarier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's what, and I've always, I've, when I've thought of founding my own business, it, has always been kind of too scary of a of a jump for for me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thought about that that too and maybe had the, the same thoughts, but like Well just
2: don't do it like with your husband or wife and then don't do it while you're having babies, you know, <laughs> and after you've taken a year off and didn't make money for a year. Like that would be basically the, the like wrong time to start a business, which is exactly when we decided to start Skynet.
0: So, tell us why why did you Uh, decide then to to start a business and what did make you make that make that leap and and how is the this kind of most recent chapter going
2: for you? Sure so I kind of feel like I fell into this kind of my mistake so I started the business with my husband Mark Van Berkel who um, is a semantic technologist and so when we were uh, right after we were married around the time we were getting married he had just finished his MBA. He already has a master's in semantic technology and in engineering, like in, in development. And I was like, "You should just quit your job and like, you know, do what you really are excited about, which was like seeing if this semantic technology stuff he learned in like 2003, 2004, 2005, like actually had an application in the real world." And I'm just like, I'm like an adventurer, so I'm like, just do it. Like I can pay the bills. Ha 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 So he did that. Um, And, but because he's a developer, like he was really focused on the technology side. And that's why when I was on mat leave, I was like, Hey, you've built some stuff. And like, we've spent all this money, but like, does anyone want to buy it? And I'd always been told at Cisco like that I should have been in sales and I had never done sales. So this seemed like a great opportunity for me to try to do sales. So I'll never forget like my daughter is like two months old. My husband's looking after her. I'm like locked in the room doing my first types of cold calls. And I was calling um, contractors and small businesses within Guelph um, where we live to say like, hey, would you like to learn more about like how we can improve your online presence? you know, we built this product. So gonna built this product that sort of like sent a weekly task or a monthly task that was like something you could do and follow instructions for to do like one thing in SEO. So set up your Google My Business or, you know, um, write, you know, a blog about a question that your customers are asking or like, so it was like all these sort of like very discreet kind of time bound tasks that we could, that we had simplified. Um, but the first thing I sold was an audit for $30 and it was so funny because like I think back it I was like $30, like my time on the phone was probably worth $30, but like I hadn't sold anything. So I was just trying to get like someone to pay me money to do something. Um, So we did like this, like, you know, one page SEO audit, and then we got people subscribed to this service, like this product where we sent task recommendations. But after about six months, they were all calling us and they're like, can you just do the tasks? And so like, lo and behold, we were trying to build a product business. But at the same time, we ended up building a services business and ended up doing, you know, pretty much like the consulting for those small and medium businesses. Um, and around the same time, I like from my engineering university, like there was just a ton of CEOs and entrepreneurs amongst Um, this group of people we were fundraising for the university and one of them like headed up one of the big pizza chains and I was like hey you guys like aren't you know doing a couple things in SEO and specifically at that point like we called it semantic search like you're not doing semantic search do you want to learn about it so we sort of talked to their IT and and technology team and ended up becoming their like SEO agency of record so here we're like a two-person company it's like one of Canada's biggest pizza chains and and they basically like their business kept us alive and all the while we were doing this we were also doing schema markup so now we're into like 2014 and mark is like oh this whole schema markup structured data stuff is interesting you know, I'm trying to do it for these S&P clients, but because they're only paying us at this point, they are paying us like $30 a month to do these tasks. And then we were charging them like $100 a month to do the work. Like we weren't making any money. Um, it was like, you know, he's like, I can build a tool that produces a schema markup. And by the way, they don't even know what that is. But like, this is, this, I can see like this intersection of semantic technology with SEO. And he was just like loving this. And at the same time, like I'm just literally like doing the work, trying to sell stuff, building relationships with people. And you know he built the first kind of version of Schema App in 2014, and we were producing JSON LD. And I'll never forget he went to like a Semantic Tech conference where he met Aaron Bradley for the first time. Um, Aaron Bradley's from Electronic Arts, another great like semantic technologist. And, and they're like, wow, that's like really cool what you've built, but like too bad Google doesn't support JSON-LD. And it wasn't until um, August, 2015, that Google announced that they were going to support JSON-LD. And so I'll never forget. And at this point, like we'd had our second child. So like I, like we look at our revenue and like the days I wasn't out like talking to people, like our revenue dropped, but we still were like, we're barely getting by, um, you know, like paying our bills and having food like there was like no awesome shiny like hey we're successful entrepreneurs we're like oh my gosh this sucks and um you know and and at this point like I'd become an SEO person because like we had to get work done you know we had to answer questions and so I'll never forget it was like September 12th 2015 and I Mark and I like looked at each other and we're like why did we quit our well-paying jobs to like do this? Like, how did we become an SEO agency by accident? Like our whole goal was to build a product and when we looked back on it, like, the stuff Mark was really passionate about was, like, the semantic technology and the structured data stuff that we'd done. And at this point, like, I'd been pitching Scheme Markup and Structured Data, like, 2015, like, to big companies all across Toronto. Like, no, no one, like, was like, what are you talking about, Martha? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And, and, but we decided, like, that night on the 12th, and actually, Hunch Manifest, if you go to, like, our actual company name, you'll see, like, what we rewrote our website to. It like, grossly needs updated now. But it's like, we are going to be a semantic search marketing company, and we are going to, by the end of 2015, try to fire all of our SEO clients. Um, except for like maybe one or two that are strategic and we are just going to like focus on you know getting schema app out there and and getting this done so we still were operating under hunch manifest I think in in sort of like October mark bought the domain schema app one night at like 11 o'clock didn't like didn't even talk to me about names or anything just like bought it um, and we put our our beta out there for people to try and it sort of allowed you to do proper connected schema markup. So not a, it was it's a generator, but it allows you to, like, save the data, you know, add relationships between things, kind of view the relationships in different ways. And we, like, basically got the first person to pay us for a schema app in, um, I think it was, like, March 2016. And so at that point, we're like, oh, my gosh, someone's, like, paying us for a product, doing something we love. This is amazing. But, like, no yeah. one cared about schema markup back in 2015, right? <laughs> we were just, like, way ahead of the market.
0: I cared. I cared in 2015.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad.
0: <laughs> I know Jeff cared, too.
2: Yeah, Jeff, I think we oh, yeah. we talked in 2016, right? So, like, that's yes. when, you know, like, I would say, like, the innovators and the really thought-forward people were starting to do it, but, like, the general public, like, was just, like, looking at me, like, I had three heads going, what are you talking about?
1: And, <laughs> yeah. We were looking for, and the way that that I stumbled on, on Schema app was, yep, you know, we had that issue where some customers or clients didn't can't don't have dev teams to implement things or they just don't, um, you know, the dev team's doing other things and we, and we couldn't get Schema in. And uh, we're, we're a huge analytics shop here and I was using um, like google tag manager or or you know adobe tag management at the time um to be able to implement some things and it was kind of a dirty way to do it but we you know it's it we when we did our test it worked and we're like okay so now this is working let's figure out um you know is this something we can scale um again i i I always push first let's get it into code and, and things like that and then once we learned on the you know, that they worked through tag management, we kind of started looking out there like what other tools out there can do this. And then we stumbled upon, uh, me and Us, Stu stumbled yeah. upon, yeah, Schema app. And we had a couple of calls with you. Unfortunately that client went away that we were trying to get it implemented yeah. on <laughs> and, and, and never used it at that point, but it was, um, yeah. So back then, like what is it? 2016 or somewhere or that, around there? 17. Yeah. yeah. And we were trying to, um, really push Schema and, and it's, so the basic ones in there, and we'll ask more schema questions later on. But um, in general, it seemed like like a great tool, and and that's you were so impressive um, in in all the sales process and, and talking that way. That it means to still talk about it all the time. So,
0: and one thing I will say that that we have completely glossed over that you all as listeners should know about Martha is she is way smarter than we are. She went to MIT. Uh, which then then makes us basically um, un- unqualified, <laughs> almost unqualified <laughs> to talk to her in terms of our... Absolutely well,
2: not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, almost you know what's starting so funny business. though is like I, I feel dumb about like general SEO stuff, right? Because I haven't been a like generalist in seo since like 2014 2015 right so i'm always like super humbled by like i know a lot and really deep in the structured data space but i don't you know i know enough to be dangerous around like website architecture and data movement just because i've been doing all of that for a long time but um i'm always i'm always like i go to conferences and i'm like i don't know half this stuff oh my goodness (laughs)
0: And that's funny, and I'm just I'm being facetious um, for for sure, just joking around. But um, yeah, it's it's um, it's quite amazing if if um, somebody uh, and we, we we talk about imposter syndrome all the time. Totally, I
2: get that all the time.
0: That goes to MIT can have imposter syndrome. Then for uh, the rest of us, it's pretty normal to have imposter yeah. syndrome as as well. But one thing, um, Jeff, you kind of underscored it. It's a massive, massive problem that we have. And in, in, I know I've been you know, been dealing with it for quite some time. It's not imposter syndrome. It is implement, implementation. Um,
2: implementation syndrome.
0: The, yeah, implementation syndrome, the difficulty of getting things implemented. And we were talking a little bit before this about some challenges that we're kind of going through. And one of the things is like, I can overcome a lot of things, but I can't overcome at this point, if you won't implement as a, as a client or as a, as an internal team, it's really hard for an SEO to overcome lack of implementation. And I think that that's one of the great things about schema app is that it helps, helps us get creative uh, in term. And it helps uh, you guys help your clients get creative in terms of trying to figure out how to work around implementation and, and timeline challenges. And that's, that's kind of a, a critically important thing. With so
2: Lo- so, it's, so it's, it's interesting jake or stoops um that you mentioned that <laughs> there we go because like the whole reason we want seos to be agile and be able to get shit done is because i got so tired of waiting at cisco so like that whole pain point of me being like oh my gosh like i can't do the things i love you want me to like slow down you don't want me to try it was like me just being like super impatient right like i'm just like oh my goodness can we actually just do something like can we stop talking about it like it's not okay that there were like two years delayed and million over budget. Like it's not okay. And so I think part of that, like absolute impatience, like get pissed off, like get stuff done, um, is, is partly why we like, we design the schema app this way is because like, we like Mark and I have both like lived and breathed and like rotted to our core, like waiting for people to just like do something. And so, you know, you know, I even get a bit cheeky, like in my sales process where I'm like, they're like, well, you know, we're going to think about it. It's like, oh, well, like when you decide that you want to be found in search, like through rich results, like just give me a call and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get it done within like two weeks. Like it'll just be done. And, um, you know, and, and people are like, wow, Martha, like you're sassy. I was like, yeah. Cause like, I know you're not going to do it, <laughs> right? Like, I know <laughs> you're just going to sit and talk about it for like two weeks. And in that time, like we could just actually get it done so like that's the part that i think is is really fun when we find like the right champion and then all of a sudden like we've made the seo the hero or like the agency the hero because like they can just get stuff done like we've removed those barriers to where like you're not just sitting around eating bonbons like you actually get to do the stuff that you're talking about and that you're excited about
0: yeah that is a breath of fresh air for for sure and i do love the slogan uh making the seo the hero that 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 uh resonates with me
2: (laughs) right because like how, how often are we like talking about all these amazing strategies we do all that work and then all of a sudden it's like oh no we'll consider that for next year's planning and it's like february right and you're just like oh my goodness like seriously and so you know our whole idea is like you don't you know you can be agile like even in a large, large organization. So like SAP is one of our clients, you know, like we help that team be super agile within like a really large organization. And, and that's the part where like, I get to be super excited because like I was in that organization and I was a slow moving slug, you know, and now, you know, we get to sort of like be like, take that and sort of like throw the whole thing on its head.
0: So it, you, you had talked a little bit about kind of, being at the at the point of um, just just kind of scraping by at what point do you guys feel like you kind of turn the corner um, with schema app and from business standpoint and and kind of what does that do for you in terms of uh, alleviating the the pressures that that brings
2: Yeah. So, so probably only recently, like in the last year or so, um, like, so in 2018 we released our, our highlighter. So it's sort of like being able to do stuff at scale. We also can like do data feeds, but like our highlighter really started getting people excited about the fact that like you could now optimize like a page template and do that at scale, literally like within minutes. And, um, and so we, we started getting some, some clients who were bigger, who would pay us upfront or like pay us larger amounts on a monthly basis to where Mark and I could hire people. So like the first step was like, can we stop just having to work like endlessly and hire some people? So that was 2018, 2017, 2018 where we like started hiring people and started getting those clients on board. Um, and then in 2019 um, you know, we're at a point now where like we have the the right team. So schema is like just at 19 people now Um, But like in, you know, we've doubled in size every year. And so I would say like probably in the last year, you know, it it helps that like Google is now saying like do structure data. Like if you're not doing it, like start doing it. And I I joke that like 2020 is like, I think finally the year of schema markup. Like I've been saying it's going to be the year of schema markup since like 2017. So it's like, I think this year it actually might be (laughs) um, to where like every, you know, article that came out of Search Engine Journal, or like you know, predictions around local was like structured data is like one of those top ten strategies to do this year, and um, that's refreshing. Both from a like, oh, okay, I think like we'll be able to pay our bills and like continue to grow the the company because um, we haven't taken any outside money, like any VC money um, to build Schema, so we've like totally built it on on customer revenue, which allows us then the flexibility to do what our customers need us to do. Right. So like, nobody's our boss. No one tells us we have to do it just to grow fast. Like we get to build the stuff. That's the right thing for our customers. Um, And then the markets. Right. So like, I don't, you know, people call us now. Right. Um, And so that's been a really big shift. I would say since 2019 and, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I can, I can buy new clothes, which (laughs) which is awesome.
0: The important, the important things that's, that's nice to have it turned around to where you don't have to, um, feel like you have to be chasing, chasing it all the time, um, yeah. and, I, and I definitely commend you because you're you're doing all of this while raising raising a, a young family, and I I'm right in that right now where I've got um, uh, three kids, uh, six and under, and one eight months. So like, oh, I wow,
2: I can't even. It's busy, right? Yeah,
0: it's so busy, and I can't yeah. even imagine having to um, run a business uh, on top of that. So I, I definitely commend you for sure.
2: Yeah, and, and, and try and try to get a market to care, right? <laughs> like, right please right, care yeah. about Treasury data. Yes,
0: please, please. Um, so, I want to move on to news, and then I want to dive even deeper into into. Let's C- do it. Yeah. So, so Jeff, Ooh. what is in the news? I think we've got something today.
1: Oh yeah. So uh, Google has announced their January 2020 core update. Um, seems like they're doing them quarterly. Uh, at least it has been for the last three, three or four, um, which is kind of good to know that if they're going to be on a schedule, um, from what I have understood, there's still too early to tell. It just was released a couple days ago, but it seems like FinTech was one of those, um, areas that, that saw the boost. Um, well, I guess if you were doing it well, you saw the boost, (laughs) um, I, I, out of all my clients, I do have one that's actually a fast food restaurant that, uh, I thought maybe because they kind of sponsored the uh, the college championship game, uh, LSU game. They were one of the sponsors there. I thought maybe that was the big boost I saw on, on Monday. But um, it's continuing today, and it's actually like 30% higher today than it was yesterday. So I have fingers crossed that, that it was from this update. Even though I saw like most channels were up with those, it wasn't just SEO. Um, but they didn't actually launch anything new. So um, since that updates come out, it, it seems like they've been up there. So um, I don't. We still don't know exactly what um, it is. I mean, Google always says, "Hey, it's you know, we want to make sure that we're not having you know thin content, spammy content, all the, the all the good SEO stuff out there." But I didn't know, Jacob, if you ever saw anyone or Stoops gotta start calling you stoops <laughs> uh
2: stoops, if you saw any of your stupa, clients Oh, <laughs> dupe, dupe, dupe.
1: Uh, you just gave me an idea for a new intro to this to the
0: there we go <laughs> we cut that for season three <laughs> um but if you
1: saw any of your clients any raises or, or you know falling oh, in, in yeah. rankings or anything
0: um, so i'm just gonna put out a, a giant psa um And if you've seen my commentary on the Twitter, SEO Twitter in the last couple of days, sometimes like there's a subset of SEOs that are very on top of the algorithm updates. And there's a subset of SEOs that get into a tizzy uh, around the algorithm updates. And it's almost like like I immediately think of the movie Twister. (laughs) <laughs> and um, algorithm uh, kind of like storm chasers and followers and um, just trying not to get, not to get squished uh, or, or crushed by the, the tornado that is the, the algorithm. Um, what I'll say is I'm not one of those people. And it's not that I don't care about algorithm updates. It's that I feel like, and, and I've only worked on one client ever where we were significantly um, downgraded, and then eventually upgraded again um, with a flip of the switch from an algorithm update where I knew that that was, that was the case. Uh, and I will say the, the thing that I would recommend when these types of things happen, right, is to k- certainly keep your ear to the ground and watch performance and mark down like when big algorithm updates happen so that you can correlate it. But like I'll, I'll say for my clients and clients that I've worked with in the past, like, the reason it's not a problem is because their problems are way more basic than, than an algorithm update. And the problems that they had the day before the algorithm update are the same problems that they have after the algorithm update. And Google <laughs> decide whether or not to treat them a little bit differently, a little bit better, a little bit worse. But the same problem exists that, hey, their sites are slow or their sites are technically unfriendly. And we're still trying to fix that. It's not like we're gonna change what we're doing after the algorithm update because those are things we were already trying to fix. Or hey, they need more content or they need better content. Well, guess what? Um, That was what we were trying to fix anyways, usually. So it's not necessarily like we just have to take our playbook and take our strategy and throw it out the window. I would not advise that. Um, You create a strategy for a reason and maybe this is a bump in the road and maybe this algorithm update, especially if it affects you naturally, is a signal that maybe you need to dive deeper into a specific area or a thing that you're doing. Um, Because sometimes algorithm updates that impact brands negatively, it's because they were doing something wrong that they shouldn't have been doing. So maybe you should stop doing that thing. But for the most part, like if you're doing SEO the right way, your strategy is the same the day after the algo update as it was the day before. Um, and there's probably not a lot that you can or should change. So right. that's, and, that's my advice.
1: And, and with all my other clients, it was everyone was even right. Like it, we didn't, if Google didn't announce it and I wouldn't even notice there was an update on, on most of my clients. Um, you look at things like Mozcat or yeah, I think it's Mozcast and Algoroo. Like we, we definitely see there is a big shift in the algorithm. Like, those those are algorithm trackers. They take a whole bunch of keywords and see where things are moving. And we did see um, even um, a CM Russia sensor. We, we do see a lot of that stuff uh, yeah, moving, but yeah, like it, they're tracking the whole internet. <laughs> and um, when we look down subsections of the internet, I think as we're saying, like maybe I don't have any fintech clients, <laughs> but we, we definitely see uh, some sections move. Like I said, that fast food client I have uh, is they definitely saw some gigantic boost. Um, can't say it was from that update though, but it happened right around the same time. Um, but I do love your analogy to the to the movie twister because <laughs> every, as soon as you said that one of the, my favorite parts in that is when you're explaining like what an F1 tornado is an F2. And then uh, I forget if it was Helen Hunt or, or one of the, the that's right. it's Helen of, Hunt. It's like, what about an F5? And like everybody's spoon drops because they were like eating breakfast <laughs> at, and the main character, about F5s. like <laughs> it's, that's the finger of God. It just made me <laughs> just think of that every time someone brings up Twister, Of like how like ridiculous that scene was. But
0: <laughs> so, Martha, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about this?
2: So yesterday, one of our clients noticed like a change in one of the featured snippets um, around movie times, like that Google was like actually scraping additional information off sites and sort of like making more inferences on like where they think they should send people. Um, so it's like a really small kind of niche space, but it was it was a change that we saw happen um, after yesterday. And then the rest is like a bit early. So as we sort of continue to testing and look, like we'll see sort of if we see anything significant, but usually it takes us, you know, a week or two before we start seeing like anything that's, uh, that we can call a trend. And, And I sort of agree with you, like if you're doing good SEO, good content, you know, good structured data, all that stuff, like we'll continue to help you, you know, continue to thrive with search engines, right? Like those those fundamentals don't change and so I think part of the messages is like if you see a change you know during one of these algorithm changes it's probably because like your house isn't clean right like you need to kind of go back to and make sure that like that core stuff is working and um, you know I I think that's even in this client's case was was sort of like the root cause of, of some of the changes that we saw.
1: Right. And, and Google always says, like, they do 400 updates a year, you know. These yeah, are just, they're releasing stuff so all the
2: time, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. And, and a lot of it is visual on the, the page, and, and schema has a lot to do with that, right? So any, like, featured snippet, how-to snippets, FAQs, all, all these different types. Of, exactly. And uh, we'll uh, see, are go- yeah,
2: we'll see changes, right? Oh. Exactly. Yeah, I saw other something-
1: oh, go oh, ahead. Go
2: ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, I always, like, go back to, like, how Google makes money, right? (laughs) Like, whenever I see algo changes or anything else, it's like, okay, so Google's still trying to get people to stay on their search engine pages longer so that they can show more ads and make more money. And so, you know, part of it is, like, if you can give additional information so that, like, the searchers are, again, sort of, you know – able to be inquisitive and spend more time and search through things then you know you're kind of giving google the money they want and therefore will also get results so i like i don't know i always think about like you know why are they doing this and part of it's like so they can make more money the same reason why you know feature snippets faqs and stuff are giving answers in search well why because like so they can spend more time there and then they can make more money right so it's it's Mm -hmm. all sort of connected
0: so I feel like that is a good segue to Martha's uh, rant. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like what you were talking about, about like the visual on-page stuff, is a good segue into um, something Google has been testing with the uh, the desktop icons and the bolded um, uh, the bolded ads that might actually say make them in, uh, not they do make them stand out less and it and it still like underscores to me like Google is a business and they're trying to get people to click on their ads and like the, the, the crazy thing I think about that particular test that seems to be going going on uh, now not just in mobile but on desktop although I will say I have not I have not yet seen it and I'm in the U.S. which I believe that they're testing it in the U.S. is one of Google's internal mottos is don't be evil and they tell us all the time don't deceive your users, and then they also then proceed to make their ads uh, blend in as much as possible, which kind of seems a little bit hypocritical on on their part, um, and it kind of drives a
2: little a little evil, right? <laughs> Just a
0: little bit evil. So it's like, what the heck, Google? Like, why? In in as an organic search person, like all of that stuff continues to play into. Um, into click-through rates, available search volume, no-click searches, um, and it's and it's Im- impacting uh, us greatly. Like I, I was just looking at a client um, who's seeing year-over-year drops in organic traffic, and one of the things that we're noticing when we're looking at on the non-brand side, I, I don't feel like I have as much control over what's going on on the branded side, but on the non-brand side, we looked at kind of the big... Um, some of the bigger non branded uh, things that were driving traffic to their site uh, both this year and last year, and one of the really interesting things that we found was like well they didn't um, they didn 't really decline in ranking um, but they th- those same searches aren 't getting less search volume, but they 're and they aren 't getting fewer impressions. Um, but they are getting fewer clicks year over year. And part of me wonders if it's because of stupid stuff like this that Google keeps doing. So Google, you're, you're killing me, man.
2: Yeah. I I think it's like, it's one of these really hard debates around how much do you structure and give away, right. Versus um, control context and then control kind of pieces. And the reason I use that word is like, so long-term strategist martha like believes that like how we're going to consume information is going to continue to fragment so like we get it on our phone we get it on our thermostat we get it on our fridge we get it on our you know apple watch you know so like all the ways we're consuming information is 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 constantly changing, you know, to where, you know, my four-year-old can ask Google questions and and get it by voice so that he doesn't even have to know his spell, right. Or even ask it properly in English. Like he can, he can get that answer that he needs. So, so one is like accepting that that fragmentation is happening and that like the ways that we interact with the content for whatever type of thing is, is totally changing. Would you guys agree with that? Like it's changing, right?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, even with social, like tons of stuff going on there.
0: Absolutely. The thing that you're saying about your four-year-old knowing how to do voice searches, uh, my four-year-old and six-year-old, like they can, they, without me teaching them, figured out how to voice search on YouTube kids. And it is, it is really, really scary, but it also makes, and that's from a data privacy standpoint, but it also makes me um, really think of like the future. And if like, they can do this at this age, the things that they're going to be able to do and come up with, but also some of the things that they might be lacking, like basic reading and spelling skills. So it's, it's really interesting. It's really
2: interesting. Yeah. And, and so part of then like, as, as the owners of that content, you have to decide like, you know, do you want to show up in these different channels? And the answer is yes, but there's going to be a cost, right? And so, you know, I feel like Europe's going to lead the the charge here where, like, you're going to be asked to license your content so that these different channels can use it. And, and you know, I think, like, we'll start seeing that more. Um, and, and so then the question is, is, like, well, you know, how do you actually make sure you're ready for these channels? And, and the answer is structured data. Like, Google was really clear at Google I.O. last May. They're like, you know, our motivation for structured data is that you can basically, stand, you know, optimize it with an open standard, i.e. schema.org and then be found and they use like across any moment in any surface and their word surface was like where they had a picture of a car and a watch and a phone and a tablet you know and they had you know moments where like you know the moment where you're asking what the weather is in the morning or your child is asking to play some ridiculous song that they want to dance to in the kitchen and so you know it's it's sort of that idea that it's going to you know that information is going to be relevant across the board but that structured data is that standard language. And that Google, like in this statement at Google IO was saying like, and they'll take the burden to have you show up on those things if you use this open standard. And it's the first time they've like, Basically, said the words like, our motivation is for structured data. Like, I've never heard that in my how many millions of years I've been talking about this stuff. And then John Mueller, like, rec- you know, he's doing those like really fun short videos. Like, in I think it was October or November, he then also stated, like, for the first time publicly, you know, Google, you know, doing structured data isn't just about the rich results, right? They used to always say, like, just do what our guidelines say. They're like, it also helps us with understanding. And so they've really broadened their message around structured data to say, like we need this to understand the context of the content and help us, you know, and then the bird is really understanding the context of the sentence. And so like, to me, like since May last year, we've seen like, um, tons of announcements around new features we've seen um, we saw monthly schema.org releases between like march april may um, then we saw another one like in september november um, we saw like a ton of announcements in the fall around search console like doing better reports and then my favorites like the rating changes like and how they were trying to sort of you know pull back sort of what they were going to show like rating and review rich snippets for so we've really seen like 2019 be this like pretty strong message from Google. And and to me, like some insight on that future state, I think that we're going to see this evolve into.
1: One of the issues I have with schema, like I, I 100% love it. I think it's actually like if I was Google, I totally get why I push everyone to that because There is, as an ex-developer, there are some really bad websites out there. Um, Some of them probably when I used to do development 15 years ago are still living. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and it's really hard for them to, to digest all that information and know the differences between stuff. So having some sort of structure to your, you know, data, I think of websites these days as like a data feed um, mostly because I'm an SEO and I'm trying to give that data feed. Totally. I
2: agree. (laughs)
1: Um, But but in general, like build a website around your data feed is what I, I kind of look at it. But the, I guess the issue I have with schema.org is sometimes I'll I'll have like these rare cases. Uh, Like I know with e-commerce what I could probably should mark up or with certain types of organizations, but I'll have like schema.org is very vague on some of the, like how to implement some of this. Um, They're, they're very like, they don't, only the most popular ones they have examples for. There's a lot of schema they have that they don't have examples or they'll have like, here's like 500 things you can stick in this, you know, one vocabulary or, or something inside a, a schema, but they don't tell, they only tell us like, here's the name and description. Yeah, like where's the
2: how to guide, right? Um- yeah. there's there,
1: And it's, it's not very, there's not great documentation. So I find myself trying to go to GitHub Try to read some of the like the commits and, and things like that to the schema, but in general, um, I, I find myself not implementing schema in some cases or just doing a real basic yeah there's a basic organization schema because I know I could put 500 things in there. one is Google going to read it and understand it? And to um, like, I don't even know what to put on some of this stuff. <laughs>
2: sure. Yeah, so where there's mystery, there's margin. So you just explained why I have a business, Jeff. Um, okay, awesome. <laughs> so, so yes, it it is complicated. And and actually, one of the things we're going to really try to do this this year is we'll be doing like webinars and more documentation, sort of to solve that exact problem that you've talked about. So today we're doing a webinar on health schema markup. So it's like a whole health vocabulary. Like, how can you use that? How does that tie to the? the you know rich results has a tie to understanding Um, and then we're going to start actually doing like just a lot more training like one of our values and passions is like training the market we have a ton of content out today but we're going to get even deeper into it because everything like there's The schema.org vocabulary is a a semantic ontology. So, like, we're actually also going to publish a paper on, like, how do you really understand this whole knowledge graph ontology thing and how do we, like, explain it in in sort of real words. We have a paper that's coming out later this month specifically on that Um, because the reason they wrote it that way is because a bunch of semantic ontologists wrote it because that's how the machines are understanding. So like I always joke that like schema.org is written like a dictionary in a foreign language, no matter what language you're speaking, because it's like so hard to understand and read. And part of it is if you can understand the idea that you're identifying a thing, and then defining like things about it with the properties and then it's relationships to other things. You can start kind of seeing how everything is just like helping things be connected, which is then how Google like does the understanding and and sort of inferencing between information. But if you don't spend the time to actually learn, not just what the Google features are, but like how does this whole, like what is semantic technology and how does it work and, and why is why is this like the the basis for how we're doing search. So we have this kind of boot camp and I'm I'm happy to actually to share it with everyone. We used to give it to our clients and now we just have it on our website that basically walks you through explaining like that fundamental piece that's sort of missing from all Google's training. Um, and so um, I'm happy to share that with the community and, and sort of help people learn and kind of get that, that fundamental shift that will perhaps, Jeff, help. We're sort of mm-hmm. like that bridging the gas with them. Like, okay, now I'm trying to optimize a medical procedure page. Like, how do I go about using the vocabulary and understanding how to use that properly?
1: Right. And usually when I search for those rare instances, I find a article from Schema App. So,
2: yeah. (laughs) And if you don't let us know, cause like, you know, for us, for us, like, you know, the, the complex, not common, you know, you know, complicated technology wise websites are our favorites, right? Like that's sort of, you know, what we're sort of specifically built and have the expertise and knowledge to do. Like we do Schema Markup every day, all day. Um, and and so like we're, you know, we're seeing this stuff and thinking about it all the time. So we're happy to, to be a resource. Yep.
0: So one of the things that in, I think Jeff's right, not just with documentation of implementation, um, I also think with respect to what the benefit is. So I feel like if it's not a popular type of schema, i.e. one that triggers a rich result, in Google, it's very hard on our side to justify um, or to know when is enough enough, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: how do we um, how do we prove to uh, a client or to an internal team that this is really really important to to implement? Because as we talked about before, like our greatest challenge really is is getting people to implement things. And in order to do that many mm-hmm. times, we have to make a business case. Well, if we're trying to make a business case to implement a, a particular piece of piece of structured data um, that doesn't end up in a rich result where because there's just not, now it's getting better, but there's just not a whole lot of reporting um, around in things like even Google Search Console, the reporting is still very basic. How do you go about helping people provide data in some of those gray areas uh, where, when it comes to like proving that yes, this is important, this is driving incremental value, this is helping you get into that place, even if it is uh, an attribute or something that maybe you know, maybe you should mention this attribute? Like, how do you guys look at that?
2: Sure. So let's first talk about like what you should optimize and like how you prove the point and then we'll talk about a bit about measurement um so what we usually do, because like we have to kind of prove that every day, all day, right? Like they don't, they're not going to do business with us unless we can do it. So, so often if we only have like a limited scope, or like, or we're like, we're going to try test it on something, we'll pick something that has a rich result, right? Or the other question we often ask is like, what is actually critical content on your site that you need to be found by your customers in order to help drive some business goal, right? So if it's a support organization, it might be all their like technical FAQs or, or questions and answers. If it's, you know, a marketing team, it could be like their video content that they're building out you know if it's you know it really depends on like how they're measuring like what's important for the business and how they're measuring that success so the first thing is like be strategic about if you're only piloting or trying it on something about sort of how it aligns to that and then if you can get a rich result as part of that you know bonus like we always try to do if we're doing a pilot or something we're we're focused on the rich result and then how we do measurement like once we know that you know what content we're looking at is you know the measurements no different than the measurement that they measure for success today. So if they measure impressions and clicks and bookings, or if they measure sales, or if it's appointments or leads, you know, however they're measuring success, it could be even um, programmatic ads, you know, that's how you're going to measure success after the schema markup. And we, we like tend to find like even you know, with things that aren't driving a rich result, that we'll still see, like, an increase in impressions and clicks and conversion, because, like, the quality of the traffic tends to get better with that understanding, but again, like, you still need someone who buys in that, like, you know, Google's using this for understanding, Google's using this as a standard to, like, be found on different surfaces, like, in the webinar today, we're going to talk a little bit about how when we did FAQ markup on like one page FAQ on each of the hospitals that like we're seeing it impact their mobile numbers for like their top three keywords and they haven't really done anything for mobile like you know, in this time, like it was just like right after we did the FAQ markup. So here, they're now like it's one page, right? Like it's not even that big a deal, but we're actually seeing because of the format, it like driving, you know, way more performance on like their mobile platform, and and so like there's some things also like as you start continue to measure the things that you know the business is good at you know, then it's good. And so we use Search Console and then we've actually, like, we're just about to GA what we call our descriptive analytics or, like, our new analytics piece where we'll take um, GA um, Google Search Console data and then your schema app data and release data and be able to map it all together so that we can show, you know, a really good... a really good sort of, you know, piece to uh to not sort of have to dig into all the analytics, but be able to show in a graphical sense, you know, where those impacts are happening and where we release the schema markup. Um so it's much easier to show that value. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That Uh, and I'm
2: going to produce tons of case studies. So you're going to have like way more stuff at your fingertips so that you can sort of be like, well, when this, you know, tech firm did this, when this health firm did this, so you'll have some industry specific type of examples.
0: Yeah. And it's really, really helpful to have data to point to because as we all know, like data trumps almost everything else. Exactly. Instinct. And um, it's, it's incredibly important to get them uh, to get a, use that as as a way to get people to maybe move things up in the implementation I- implementation queue so anytime that you can put data behind um, something that you're doing whether it's schema or something else that's incredibly important so I I, I want to be mindful of time I did have one last question and it's it's about something that in looking at your website that I just I I find incredibly Incredibly interesting, and it's this idea. Like I said, there's a lot of gray area, and and there's a lot of like, how much is is too much? But you you mentioned something about future proof with voice, with screens everywhere, chatbots, AI, augmented and virtual reality, and I just want to I wanted to ask about your perspective with respect to how do you feel like schema and structured data serves to kind of feed those beasts. So to speak, because those those technologies are, like you said, uh, increasing, and um, I don't see that that I- increase in or that the prominence of those types of um, mediums decreasing anytime soon.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a couple stories maybe to help kind of set the stage. So I was talking to one of the big chatbot companies in the world, um, and was asking them if they use structured data or if they use, like, a knowledge graph or anything to answer questions, and they're, like, well, we're really, like, a workflow kind of chatbot, but we just bought this AI chatbot company. You should talk to them, and so I talked to their MIT grads AI chatbot company, and uh, um, and I was, like, oh, are you guys, you know, using structured data or a knowledge graph? And They're, like, absolutely, we're building a knowledge graph and ontology because that helps us then understand like natural language and relationships between things. And so it was the first confirmation. And this was like a year and a bit ago now where like the chatbot companies are trying to model information and relationships and information, just like we're doing for search. But what's interesting is that they haven't quite clued in that, like, we're doing this for search already. And a chatbot is really just, like, helping you find answers, right? You know, the same way that it's providing, you know, service or trying to connect you with things, just like a search engine is doing. So, you know, to me, a chatbot is just, like, another means of a search engine. And we've gotten confirmation from some of the, like, the the sort of LSA lead thinkers that, you know, they're using the same semantic technology in order to do this type of work. Um, and, And I think the the other pieces is, is just that, you know, when I was sitting down with with Guha, who's the creator of Schema.org, at Google a couple of years ago, like one of his funny questions he asked us at the end of lunch was like, you know, do you think websites will be around in in five years? And and I like started laughing because this is a debate that my co-founder Mark and I have like all the time. And, and I was like, no, like, why do we need an interface? Like I'm going to choose like where I want to see that information and how I want to see that information. So it might be on a computer and through a browser. It might be like with a ticker tape going across my screen. You know, it might be in, you know, a Kindle book or, a you know, book fashion. Um, and, and, you know, but Mark's response, you know, and he's like more the data architect, you know, data scientists, so he's like, well, there still needs to be a container for the data. And, and, you know, so that like a website will still like act as that container. Um, but I thought it was a, a funny question for him to ask us only because like we debate that in that, you know, how fragmented will this become and, and how will sort of our consumption of it evolve over the time. So I guess like when saying those things is like, I do believe like we'll need to start, I always use the word like manage our brand for machines, you know, thinking of these different consumers. And, you know, whether you want to do that now or do that later, you know, whether it's going to be like in a large enterprise, you know, IT is thinking about like, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this for our chatbot initiative or the search team's trying to think about how we do it for search. To me, it's all the same thing. It's like, how do you have this type of structured information with contacts, defining relationships so that it can it can answer questions or provide service through whatever means it is. Um, and nothing has sort of veered off that course, I'll say, to, over the last couple of years, um, and, and so like I see us sort of continue to head in that direction.
1: Yeah. I'm always looking at like, what else would be using schema or, you know, I guess structured data in general. Um, like, um, Thinking, you know, calendars and, and things like that, that can just some of the basic stuff, like, you know, not even advanced like chatbots, but just be able to like, like
2: basic stuff. Yeah. Basic
1: stuff. Yeah. And
2: some, and some of it, they're just like unaware that there's a standard out there. So, like, we yep. spend just a lot of time being like, do you know there's a standard? Like, you should have a standard. And, you know, yeah. we, we've joked about building a chatbot like based on structured data because we're just like, oh my goodness, it's like, it's not hard to do. Um, you know, we should just do that. Maybe, maybe we'll do that this year. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But it's, yeah, to me, it's. Sort of a no-brainer, and you know, especially if we can get Google to drive even broader adoption, like that's what will be key. Um, But it is a de facto standard, and so that that I think will play for how it can then be reused. And and you can reuse, you know, we didn't even get into like in analytics, you can reuse schema markup like in analytics to structure your analytics, which is like what we do through one of our offerings called you know Semantic Analytics or Enhanced Analytics. There's lots of ways that you can reuse that structure to yeah. add value to the company. And, and what I would say, like, we've been talking about it for a couple of years. Our customers are now just kind of getting to that aha.
1: It's awesome. Well, I, I want to thank you for our time or for your time, but um, we'd like to end every episode by uh, getting some advice for upcoming SEOs or SEOs that might not necessarily know much about schema. So like, what kind of advice would you give someone who's either new to SEO or just new to schema and want to learn and, and where should we start and, and, and things like that?
2: <laughs> So we have a a five-day free email course on our website that sort of, like, walks you through, like, those basics and so forth. So um, if you just go to www.schemaapp.com, it's on the bottom right corner, um, and you'll find that. um, My email address is on that, so I ask you questions at the end, like, respond, because I actually read those and respond to them. Um, And then my question is often, like, what are you going to try to do with Schema? And my intention, then, is to be able to point you to other resources we have on the page so you can continue learning. Um, And so just, like, we have a whole section of our website now called resources. It has training in there. It has web webinars that kind of touch on key pieces. It has um, how to like tech tips um, and all that's for free. Like there's videos on how to do it. Sometimes we show like how to do it within our tools, but the intention there is like to really teach you how to, how to get going. And then my other advice is just like, ask people, like start the conversation. And I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was like some of the women in tech SEO groups that I'm in and so forth, but they're like, just have the guts to like reach out to the JP Sherman or to reach out to me. Um, or to yourselves and, and ask those questions because in the end we're all human and we all want to connect and we, yeah. we all were there once. Um, and so if there's something that I think I said earlier, like if you are trying to learn something and it's not on our website, let us know or tweet at schema app um, tool and, and we'll sort of respond to you um, or we'll build that content and, and sort of get that out.
0: And Martha, where else can people find you?
2: Um, I mostly act, uh, hang out on Twitter. So I'm Martha Van Berkel on Twitter. Um, you can also add me on LinkedIn. Um, if you said add me on LinkedIn, like send me a message with your ad so I like know why you want to connect. Um, and then you can find me at Martha at schemaapp.com. So I'm, I'm happy to, uh, again, be a resource, answer questions and 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 point people in the right direction.
0: Awesome. Uh, and just again, again uh, Martha's company and website is uh, schemaapp.com. So if you're listening uh, go visit the website, sign up for her free five-day schema markup email course. Uh, I, it, it, hugely beneficial uh, if you're you're trying to get schema implemented. Go follow her on Twitter, um, maybe on LinkedIn, although that can sometimes get get a little weird. Um, But yeah, go follow her. Go check out uh, schemaapp.com. And again, Martha, thank you so much for uh, coming on our podcast and and, uh, having what I thought was an awesome conversation.
2: Thanks for having me. Have a great day.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocketcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing!